the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge. Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Rajagriha at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, Noble Avogateshvara, Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way. He saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness. Emptiness also is form. How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form. Emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye datu up to no mind datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind consciousness datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance up to no old age and death, no old age and death. Suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times, by means of Prajnaparamita, fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as true since there is no deception. Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Te Ata Om Gate Gate Bharagate Bharasangate Bodhisoha. Thus Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that samadhi and praised noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this venerable Shariputra, noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, asuras, and Gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One.
Jandara Samara Yabe, Teata Om, Gate Gate Paragati Parasangati Buddhiso, Ha, Papa Gunchu Sunji Gai, Nibidoji Shir, Lobo Doji, Mibo Doji, Shiva Doji, Dragi Baji, Medun Vijay Danji Shirling Goye, So, Ha, Engiri, Doja, Yeju Shiva Da, Medun Lobe, Jentan Dewa Da, Domba. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun, and a moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. Holy Lamas, high, wrap the sky of your Dharma bodies in massive clouds of knowledge and love, and let them pour upon the earth of your disciples as we are ready to shower of rain, the teachings deep and wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa begins with the expression of worship or the prologue and it goes over the, uh, the homage paid to Buddha Shakyamuni uh, and Maitreya and Manjushri etc. And we've already gone over the explanation of that uh, homage or prologue section. And then after that we find the introductory material um, and the text, the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment is actually a commentary on the Atisha's text called the lamp uh, for the path to enlightenment. So it's stated that the root text for this great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment is actually Atisha's text. And Atisha's text is said to contain all of the topics that were taught by Lord Buddha. Um, so all of the teachings of Sutra, all of the teachings of Tantra, the Hinayana teachings, the Mahayana teachings, all of the Buddha's uh, pronouncements are contained and summarized within that text called the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. So in the beginning section of the uh, great treatise on the stage of the Path to Enlightenment, where the preliminary uh, explanations are given, uh, we find four key points about the lamp for the path to enlightenment, which is the root text for this particular larger, more uh, 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 larger text that has more explanation about that condensed material. So the four are the first, starting with it, it contains the key points of all the conquerors' scripture. So, as stated before, all of the teachings of Hinayana, Sutrayana, uh, 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 Hinayana, Mahayana, Sutrayana, Tantrayana. All of these uh, teachings are contained within this root text. So this is uh, one statement 
that Laman Tzun Kappa makes about it. The second is that it contains all of the pathways that were forged by the great trailblazers. And the trailblazers here refer to Lord, Naga, uh, Lord Nagarjuna and uh, Arya Sangha. Uh, so these uh, two uh, great masters are called the trailblazers. And then it's a system for beings who uh, progress or are heading to the state of omniscience. So those who, um, the, uh, who are um, uh, taking the great vehicle approach that will lead him or her to the state of omniscience or Buddhahood. And then the fourth point that's made uh, by Lama Tsongkhapa about the lamp is that it fully comprises all of the teachings for the beings of three capacities. So uh, all the teachings for beings of small, medium, and great capacity. So all of these uh, points are contained within the great uh, contained within the lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, in a very summarized fashion. And the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment is actually more of an expansive commentary on that same exact material. So if we were to summarize or condense all of the teachings that Buddha gave, we would find that there are three principal teachings. First, the, the teachings which, which exhibit or show the stages of the path that lead one to the higher realms. And then those teachings are called the teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity. Uh, and then those teachings which show the pathways which lead to liberation for oneself alone. Um, and those teachings categorically fall under the heading of the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity. And then the final uh, 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 set of teachings are the stages of the path that lead one to complete Buddhahood or the grounds of the Buddha. And those teachings are called teachings for beings of great capacity. So if we were to summarize all of Buddhism into three categories, we would uh, divide it into the stages of the path that lead to the higher realms, liberation, and Buddhahood. So, uh, then, uh, the, there are two approaches uh, to giving an explanation of a teaching. Uh, there's the approach that the Nalanda scholars used, and they used the approach of explaining teachings according to the three purities. Uh, the purity um, of the, the speech of the master, the purity of the mind of the disciple, um, and then the purity of the teaching that will be explained. So that's the first uh, way of explaining, uh, of explaining teachings, and that was according to the Nalanda tradition. The Vikramalashila tradition is a little bit different 
Um, and that's the second way of uh, explaining teachings according to these ancient traditions. Um, and the Vikrama Lashila tradition is the one that Jay Rinpoche, or Lama Tsongkhapa, chooses to use uh, as an, his basis for explanation uh, in this great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. And that first shows the greatness of the teaching's author, uh, and then the greatness of the teaching itself, um, and then the, how to listen to and explain the teachings. So, uh, the, the Vikram Alashila tradition uses the three greatnesses, um, and, uh, and, and Jay Rinpoche, or Lama Tsongkhapa, is choosing to follow that tradition as opposed to the Nalanda tradition. So, the first uh, topic showing the greatness of the author to show that it's of noble origin uh, basically gives uh, the, the history of the life of Lord Atisha, showing that he was born in Bengal. Uh, east of, uh, I'm sorry, yes, east, east of uh, um, India. Uh, he was born uh, uh, um, from a king and a queen, so they, he was a prince, uh, so his father was a king. Um, and then they give the various other qualities um, in that section about uh, Lord, Lord Atisha. And it states within there that he had three brothers, uh, I'm sorry, two brothers. Uh, the king and queen had three children, so Atisha had two brothers, and Atisha was the middle child. So then, after showing the noble origin of Lord Atisha and his basic life story, uh, of his, uh, his, his origin really, then it goes to show that how he gained his excellent qualities, uh, how upon the basis of that noble origin, he gained the, his excellent qualities. So then it goes into how he gained the excellent qualities of the scriptural uh, doctrine, or they call it here the uh, um, uh, scriptural knowledge, um, and then second, how he gained his excellent qualities relative to uh, the realizational doctrine or the uh, experiential knowledge. Um, uh, so that shows, uh, um, uh, uh, explains how he he learned the, the various qualities from scripture uh, and then how he applied them. So, in looking at the, uh, how he gained the uh, quality, his excellent good qualities of scriptural knowledge or scriptural doctrine, it shows how Lord Atisha became at a very young age a master and scholar of all of the 64 arts and forms of crafts uh, and philosophy, um, uh, whether it was Buddhist or non-Buddhist, um, and then he, uh, the four knowledges of grammar, logic, construction, uh, and medicines. Uh, so it uh, shows how he gained those excellent qualities relative to all of those topics, and then how he uh, learned all of the, uh, it gained his excellent qualities relative to the basic Buddhist doctrines and the, the, the primary educational uh, texts um, that are the basis of Buddhist philosophy. So that particular section goes through how 
how he gained that uh, um, quality of scriptural knowledge. And then the next section that shows how he gained his excellent qualities of experiential knowledge or the um, uh, uh, realizational doctrine uh, then goes in to explain how he engaged in the practice of the three highest higher trainings relative to the three baskets. Um, and then specifically the vows that Lord Atisha took, the vows of the individual liberation, the vows of the bodhisattva, and then the vows of the, the tantric vehicle. So it shows how Lord Atisha uh, gained uh, um, uh, those, those realizations, and then it begins with how he gained uh, uh, realizations relative to his training in ethics, the first of the highest higher trainings. So, and then the, the next section shows uh, what he did once he had those excellent qualities to uh, help the teachings or to promote, uh, uh, to further the teachings. So, um, then it, it begins with what he did in India, and uh, it says that here that in the uh, uh, Great in light at the in Bodh Gaya, he upheld the Buddhist teachings three times by using the teachings to uh, banish poor instructions of non-Buddhist philosophers. So uh, he, uh, it says here, he taught, gave these three times the teachings to in order to uh, negate these uh, um, wrong views. Jakarta. ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้ได้
understand um, the various schools. And here it says all uh, root schools were present. Um, and this refers to the, uh, um, monk, the, the fully ordained monks and nuns and the full, uh, novice monks and nuns. So he was to gave uh, teachings to all those four types of, of practitioners. So then what uh, ha he did in Tibet is the next section, and it shows how uh, two translators specifically were sent to um, India, uh, Jadzun Singh uh, first, and then Natsutsuchim Jewa. Uh, both were sent uh, over and over again to request the Tisha to please come to Tibet. Uh, because his, uh, they had, had heard of his uh, qualities in, in Tibet and uh, needed to get him to come to uh, help with some of the doctrine. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, um, and then during that specific time, uh, there were an, an uncle and a nephew who uh, wished to um, uh, invite Lord Atisha. And the, I want to get the exacts here. The um, uh, king of, let's see the exact name of the place. Just give me one moment. uh, wished uh, more than anything uh, to invite Lord Atisha uh, to come to Tibet to propagate the Dharma. And there was a king of Karlam uh, who became uh, jealous um, and didn't have any faith in, in the Buddhism and uh, demanded that Yeshe Wo give up his faith and stop inviting Lord Atisha to come. And uh, because he uh, um, uh, 
refused to give up his, his faith. Uh, he was thrown into a dungeon, uh, Yeshe Wo was, uh, by the king of Karlak, uh, because he thought that it was uh, not necessary. So upon hearing that, his nephew, Shanchu Wo, uh, came to visit him several times, and they were being unsuccessful uh, um, in uh, inviting Lord Atisha to come. And the, he begged for the release of his uncle uh, to the Karlag king. Uh, and the Karlag king said the only way that uh, he would be willing to release uh, his uncle from the dungeon would be if he were to bring uh, the same amount of gold uh, as the weight of his body. Uh, and then he would release him. So his nephew, uh, um, Shanchukwo, went everywhere he could to gather up gold to get his uncle released. Um, and when he had gotten the last piece of gold and brought it back, he found that um, uh, it was only enough for the body up to the neck. And he did not have enough gold to, to cover the weight of the head. And there was no more gold anywhere that he could get. And he went to his uncle and said, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not able to do this. I've looked everywhere. There is not one more piece of gold uh, that I can find uh, um, anywhere. Uh, and we do not have a go enough gold uh, to fulfill the request of the king, so you cannot be released. The the Atisha Ketan. And because uh, Yeshe Wo uh, was a great uh, bodhisattva, who, the one who was jailed in the dungeon, he said, my life is of no significance. Uh, it's really getting Atisha here to teach the, t the doctrine that's important. So instead of trying to gather more gold, instead of trying to fulfill uh, the request of this uh, evil king, uh, take all of the gold uh, that you have gathered thus far to India and invite Lord Atisha to come and give teachings. <laughs> So then uh, he, Lord Atisha uh, um, came and uh, he was welcome there and he, it said based on this prayer he furthered the teaching through activities uh, such as composing the lamp for the path to enlightenment uh, and which uh, pre as mentioned contains all the points of the stage of the path for beings of three capacities. Um, and uh, he condensed all of the, the, the points of sutra and mantra within it and then for three years, it says, for three years at Nari and nine years at Natang and five years at other places in Utsu uh, and, and Sang, he taught all the instructions for the texts of the sutra and mantra vehicles to fortunate students. Uh, the, the result was that he established the practices of the Buddhist system that had disappeared. He reinvigorated those that had remained only slightly and he removed corruption based on misconceptions. 
so then he made the teachings free of error, of or of stain or defilement. Um, so the the true uh, in Tibet, the Buddhist doctrine was there. The true teachings were there, but they had been contaminated. They had been mixed up. So Lord Atisha came to cleanse and purify those teachings so that they were uh, free of error. Uh, so this is the main point here: is that Lord Atisha came. Uh, to uh, purify uh, the mistakes that uh, had corrupted the teachings, uh, even though there were pure teachings there, they had been uh, infiltrated uh, by wrong views. <laughs> So then all of the great scholars uh, in India um, who were displeased that he left, saw this text, the lamp for the path to enlightenment, and realized how excellent the text was, uh, and, and praised Lord Atisha for it, um, and then stated, because you are in Tibet, please write a commentary, uh, an auto-commentary, I believe it's called, uh, his own commentary on this text, uh, to expand the meaning of it, to expand uh, this summarized meaning, uh, so that it will uh, help to further the Dharma even more. And then in Tibet, then Lord Atisha uh, wrote many different texts. Uh, junior so then if we add all of the years that Lord Atisha uh, was there and we look at the, the years that he spent in Nari, the years that he spent in Netang, and the years that he spent on U and Utsang, uh, uh, we find 17 years of instruction that Lord Atisha gave. So he was able to uh, purify uh, and cleanse the teachings that uh, were in Tibet to make the truth very stable there. So 
So then, during Trisun Detson's reign, uh, the Sayik Monastery was made. Um, and it was uh, crafted after the Utampur uh, Monastery in uh, India, uh, which was under the Vikramalashila tradition. So the, there was a monastery in India that then was, uh, that the Sayit Sulakam was crafted after and became the same tradition of. So uh, this was Trisun Jetson, the, um, uh, the king who was said to be an emanation of Manjushri, was responsible uh, for this. Well, then Trisun Detson Shewatsu Ketasun. So then Trisun Detson uh, invited the master Shandarachita, who was already the age of 70, uh, to the Tsayit Sulakam uh, in order to uh, clarify what should be taught and how the students should listen to the teachings and so forth. So uh, uh, Shandarachita was an Alanda uh, pandit or scholar. Uh, and Trisun Jetson invited him uh, um, to the Tsayit Zulakon, Tsayit Temple. He was a great scholar of the Nalanda Monastery. The Sen Sampa Dandrapal. Baba Vega. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, was a great scholar of the Nalanda tradition. And if we look at the uh, Madhyamaka schools, uh, there is uh, Madhyamaka Prasangika and Madhyamaka Svatantrika. Uh, so, or the, uh, in English, the Middle Way Consequence and Middle Way Autonomy School. If we look at the Middle Way Autonomy School, which is the lower of those two schools, there are two divisions. Uh, there is the, uh, uh, I don't know the exact names, but the one school that has a similar view to the uh, mind-only school, 
and then one school that has a similar view to the sutra school. One's called the yogic tradition, and the other one, I, I just can't remember right now off the top of my head, I'm sorry. Um, so, um, the, actually I might have one here. So, those, so the Lord, the master, Shandarashita, was, uh, followed the view, view and was responsible for bringing back the view of the uh, middle way autonomy school that leaned philosophically towards the mind only tradition. And uh, Lord Baba Vega was responsible for bringing back the view that, um, uh, of the middle way autonomy school that leaned more towards the uh, sutra school tradition. Uh, so, just to translators note, the four tenets are the Great Exposition School, the Sutra School, the Mind Only School, and the Middle Way School. So, the Middle Way School has consequence and autonomy, autonomy being lower. The Autonomy School has two divisions, uh, and those divisions are one which is uh, a Middle Way view that is similar to the Mind Only, and the other is a Middle Way view that's similar to the Sutra School. Uh, those have real technical names, and I'm sorry I don't, can't remember them. One is yogic. Uh, uh, the yogic school, yoga uh, chara, the other, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember, but there are those two divisions. And, and Chandrashita followed the view similar to the mind only school within the middle way tradition and, and propagated that Dharma. <laughs> So, Shandarashita wrote various texts. Uh, the first um, uh, text that he's famous for, uh, or the, the first text uh, that there is a root text and then a commentary that he wrote himself is called the Ornament for the Madhyamaka, or the Umachen. Uh, ornament to the Middle Way, uh, literally it would be called. Um, and then that ornament, again, to the middle way, has a commentary that Chandrashita wrote. And then uh, there's also uh, a text on, that is a commentary on valid cognition. And I just want to see if I can find that right here. Uh, I don't think I can. I think I did try this before. Anyway, it's a, a text that is, I don't know the exact name of the text, it's not in here, but the, that particular text is um, a commentary on valid cognition, on pramana. Uh, so the exact name, I'm sorry, I don't have, but uh, the first is the ornament to the, Mahaya, uh, ornament to the middle way, and then the commentary to the or ornament to the middle way which is the, yoga, the middle way autonomy view that leans towards the mind only. Uh, so the, the um, uh, Rinpoche said that the text about valid cognition is a, a summary of the key points of the Pramanavartika Karika, Dharmakirti's commentary to the compendium of valid cognition. 
so in the major monasteries, uh, Okay, so uh, in the major monasteries of Sarah J, Sarah May, Drepong Ganden, Sarah, Chashi Lumpo, the main, the Sakya, the and maybe even the Nyingma Kaju, all the traditions primarily focus on uh, the specific text of the commentary to the Compendium of Valid Cognition by Dharmakirti. But if you look at the Sanskrit University in Varanasi, there is a focus on Chandrarashita's text, which is on this, the, the, the topic of valid cognition uh, that is the, within Dharmakirti's text. Uh, so we, we find uh, in the Varanasi Sanskrit University the study of that text uh, um, in uh, more detail uh, and in the other universities just specifically looking at Dharmakirti's text. So in the Sanskrit University in Varanasi these days they're studying this text by Shandarashita. Huh. But this particular text on valid cognition by Shandarashita is just is uh, out of our reach, so difficult to understand. Oh, Dun, the, the seven. So we focus on the seven treatises of the uh, Dharmakirti uh, um, and, and focus on those more. And it seems like there are some differences in the, the words between that and, and Chandrarashita's text. The translators know Rinpoche was also in Sanskrit University as well as Drepung. So. <laughs> It's a commentary on it, the word name of the books probably in here. Uh, so then Kamala Shila, who was a student of Shandarashita, wrote two books uh, about this particular text. Um, so I'm going to see if I can find it that way. じゃあ、ラッシュ。ワットニテナテシブユザレス。ダンガトテンジュレソナワンカレンレンタチュロ。ザ Okay, commentary, the commentary on the difficult points of the compendium of suchness uh, is Kamala Shila's text, and then the second one isn't listed, but it's another commentary 
on that. So here it's being called the compendium of suchness, and Rinpoche said it's a, a, um, an explanation of the valid cognition. So it said it's called the compendium of suchness. Uh, Rinpoche adds the word valid cognition, so it's a, uh, the, 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 key po the points of it are relative to the, the pramana uh, um, um, topics, so the valid cognition topics. So, to, so that's the um, Kamala Shila is a student of Shandarashita and wrote two two texts. One called the Commentary on the Difficult Points of the Compendium on Suchness, and then the other Uma Nangwa. Kakare. Okay, that's different. Then. Okay. Uh, so the Dalai Lama gave his teaching on the, the two commentaries uh, that Kamala Shila gave on this compendium of suchness and with great clarity. Gave a teaching on this. So then when we, in the future, receive all of our texts, and we receive the Tanjur, which is the uh, commentaries on the Buddha's speech, we'll find that text within it. So we'll have that text here. So it's, uh, they were very kind. Both Kamala Shila and Chandrashita were very kind for coming to Tibet. And they were able to ordain uh, new monks and nuns and help to propagate the Dharma uh, through the Sainitsu uh, temple. So there was, uh, the Dharma was able to flourish as a result of their uh, coming, of them coming. So as a result of uh, um, um, the great master Shandarashita, being from Nalanda Monastery, where the intensive study and analysis of the text uh, was the norm, the Tibetan traditions turned into that norm. The, the teaching, the tradition of the Nyingma, the Sakya, Kaju, and Galup all took on that tone because of the fact that all of the um, explanations initially were given by these Nalanda masters, masters who followed the traditions in that way. So this is the reason for the intense analysis of things that we find within the Tibetan tradition of studying uh, night and day and, and, uh, and, and truly uh, um, analyzing completely these works. So then many of the, the spoken word of the Buddha and the commentaries on the spoken word, the Indian commentaries on the spoken word of the Buddha 
were being brought into Tibetan language. So all of the texts were being translated, and Draja Lopun Ling, who was a translator, was responsible for a large amount of translation from the Indian uh, Sanskrit language into uh, the Tibetan language, and specifically the spoken words of the Buddha and the commentaries on those words. What an so then many uh, Chinese monks uh, started to form monasteries and then specifically a master named Hashan uh, became the abbot of many of them and uh, the head uh, of many traditions within Tibet during the, the early dissemination of the teachings. Okay. uh, and then it says, in general, the glorious Chandrasita and Padmasambhava introduced the practices of the Buddhist system to the land of the snows, Tibet. During the early dissemination of the teaching, however, Chinese abbot Hashan caused the teaching to, to decline. Uh, and then it goes on to tell why. Uh, when uh, Chandrasita started to ordain monks and nuns, and uh, the Tibetan Dharma began to flourish, various evil spirits and local deities became jealous and were causing problems with black magic and fire and storms, uh, and the, they weren't able, they were having a great deal of difficulty uh, environmentally, uh, and, uh, and were having a lot of, of obstacles uh, um, to the Dharma. Uh, so Shandarashita was not having any success in, uh, you know, getting rid of the problems or getting rid of the uh, obstacles that the local deities were creating. So he said to invite Padmasambhava, who was a, a mystical uh, scholar, and Padmasambhava came and was able to, through his uh, um, uh, realizations um, and practice, subdue all of the, the demons or, or lo evil local spirits that were causing all of these problems. And 
and it says then, however, that um, uh, so I'll read this again and then give a commentary as, as Rinpoche did. In general, the glorious Chandrashita and Padmasambhava introduced the practices of the Tibetan, of the Buddhist system to the land of the snow uh, during the early dissemination of the teachings. So uh, they were very kind, Chandrashita and Padmasambhava, for bringing these teachings to Tibet. Um, but there wasn't a heavy focus on the subtle levels of emptiness and teachings on emptiness. Even though the kindness is immeasurable, there, this focus wasn't there initially, and uh, um, various wrong views started to corrupt the teachings. And it says here, however, the Chinese abbot, Hashang, caused the teaching to decline. He did not understand emptiness correctly, and thereby denigrated the factor of method and negated bringing anything to demine, even virtues. Uh, and then, uh, so Hashan asserted that all thinking is a cause of suffering. Uh, so whether one was thinking of positive things or negative things, all thinking is a cause of suffering. Um, so Hashan asserted that bodhicitta, uh, the mind that aspires to enlightenment, is a cause of suffering, uh, and that uh, any thought that occurs in one's mind causes suffering. So he asserted that the point of emptiness was to clear one's mind of all thought completely, and this is how one would realize emptiness. And that virtuous and non-virtuous thinking were both negative, were both <coughs> obstacles to the realization of emptiness, and were actually the cause of suffering. So the method side of the practice of the mind that aspires to enlightenment and compassion and so forth were actually causes for suffering as opposed to causes for realizations. Uh, so uh, this was uh, an interesting <coughs> view, um, and uh, um, Hashan gave many reasons why uh, this was the, was the case. So he stated that one needed to clear his or her mind of all thought completely, and by <coughs> doing so, this would cause him or her to realize emptiness, um, and that the, the idea was to empty the mind altogether of, of thought. So this assertion 
that one can empty his or her mind of thought and then realize something is negated very clearly when we look at the root wisdom text by Lord Nagarjuna. Uh, the Karika, where there are many signs and reasonings given that lead one to this realization of emptiness, that all phenomena are necessarily dependent arisals, so they are necessarily not truly established and have no inherent existence from their own side. So this analysis of the nature of reality is how one arrives at the realization. So this uh, the signs and reasoning for the lack of true establishment of all things are necessary in order for one to realize um, this, this uh, um, absence relative to things. Uh, so Lord uh, Nagarjuna's view that things are not truly established with the sign because of dependent origination um, uh, is uh, how one... Uh, is able to establish emptiness um, and establish the lack of inherent existence of things and then establish that all phenomena are share this same mode of existence. So this analysis is necessary and Hashan asserted that only emptying one's mind was necessary. <laughs> So this isn't something that either Pada or Shandarashita asserted. This is something that specifically Hashan asserted. Uh, those two masters knew this was the incorrect uh, understanding. Uh, um, uh, they uh, so they were not proponents of this view in any way. And Hashan was a great scholar. He was able to quote many were uh, uh, pronouncements of the Buddha. Able to quote many many things. He understood many of the Buddha's Dharma. So the, the Tibetans weren't able to really negate or do anything about these assertions he was making. Uh. Uh. So then, Shandarashita, uh, recognizing that uh, there was no they, the inability to negate some of these views was corrupting the teachings, said, uh, even though we aren't able to negate this view, my student Kamalashila in uh, India can be called and most definitely negate these views. So Kamalashila was invited to Tibet uh, by Shandarashita uh, during that time uh, and... and uh, uh, came to debate the, the master Hashan. So then the king of Tibet uh, uh, set up a great debate. And to the right of the king was Kamalashila, to the left of the king was Hashan, and he then set up the great debate about emptiness. Mm. 
So then, because Kamala Ashila had the true experience and understanding, he was able to negate <coughs> the views that Lord Hashan, uh, or Master Hashan, was uh, um, proclaiming to be the ultimate view of emptiness. And so then, after uh, um, Kamala Ashila negated all of the mistaken views uh, um, of Hashan, the king of Tibet told Hashan to leave and go back to China. And so then uh, it's said that Hashan actually left uh, Tibet, but left a pair of his shoes in Tibet. So uh, this symbolizes that some of Hashan's views were able to still trickle into some of the Buddhist teachings that we can find even today. But, but that view uh, remains slightly and we can find that idea of, of, uh, of Hashan's assertions in, in some teachings. So then we can see that Shandarashita, uh, the Kamala, Kamala Shila, Shandarashita, Kamala. So even though the, the view uh, was actually the lower view of the Madhyamaka school, the, the middle way autonomy view, um, uh, and relative to the mind-only school, uh, even though that was uh, the lower view than the consequence school, uh, it actually was able to dispel those misconceptions with, without even utilizing some of the higher views uh, to negate them. So, uh, um, and then, um, so the, so the even though that view was actually lower, it's not considered wrong view because it's able to negate some. Uh, wrong views. Less 
And the consequence school is that the autonomy school asserts that subject and object, or the awareness and the object, need to both be present in order for uh, an object to be established, and that this is why they are not truly established. Um, so it takes the awareness and the object both to be present in order for that object to come into existence. Uh, whereas the consequence school asserts that there's nearly an imputation uh, of the object that's, that brings it into existence. So the uh, autonomy school asserts that it takes these two things to come together in order for there to be this presence, whereas the consequence school states that there is only an, a designation uh, and a, uh, that so that it's not truly established. Both assert the lack of true establishment, but the reason is different. And uh, the reason of the consequence school is the naming is, is how it, and merely an imputation, whereas the uh, um, autonomy school feels that both are necessary to be present to bring a, uh, an object into existence. So there's, translators note, still subtle inherent existence within the autonomy school, because there's a, some, something from the side of the object that makes it come into existence, whereas the, I'm sorry I'm doing this, but whereas the consequence school states that the, the side of the imputation is what uh, brings it into existence, as opposed to the object having some essence of the name already loaded in it. Uh -huh. So in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, where it says there's no eye, there's no ear, there's no nose, etc., etc., if we look at it according to the middle way consequence view, we'll see that there is no eye or no ear that is truly established because there is only a basis of designation that is nominally designated as uh, eye or ears. Uh, there is no eye or ear that's separate from that basis uh, or collection that's just named as eye or ear. Or, um, if we look at it according to the autonomy school, we would say that there is uh, uh, um, an awareness uh, and, and an actual eye or ear uh, that come together to make that uh, eye or ear come into existence. Um, and that is the reason for the lack of true establishment of the eye or ear, because it takes the awareness and the object that has some eye or earness to it to come into existence. Whereas the middle way school says there's a basis of designation that is just a collection of things that then becomes it just by a name. 
So that's the, the difference. If we look at it from the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge uh, perspective, where there are those negations that are taking place. So the Hashan view was neither that of the Atana, middle way autonomy school or of the um, uh, consequence school. It was a wrong view altogether. ジャイカマハシャンゴワトンデクトンモミシネンテンバルニョヨレステンバマニョバシヨレスリバシヨラスタルベケチンシワツグカジンドアネルベカマラシラカマラシレレバナハジャンレバカネジャイゴンバテ
Uh, because of this, they did great damage to the maintenance of the ethical discipline, the root of the teachings. This excellent being, Atisha, refuted them. Moreover, he caused their erroneous conceptions to disappear and then reinvigorated the flawless teaching. Thus his kindness reached all those of the land of the snow. So during the time, uh, during this specific time in history, uh, there had been uh, a lot of misconceptions that were brought into Tibet about the tantric traditions. And there was an idea that the tantra tradition and sutric tradition were mutually exclusive and were as different as fire and water. Uh, and those who were practicing Tantra negated the need for practicing the Sutra teachings, and those who were practicing the Sutra teachings stated that the Tantric teachings were wrong, and, and that there was no way to have a union of either of them. So there were two splits uh, that had taken place, and Lord Atisha showed how uh, the, the two actually worked with each other uh, in order to be produced, and negated that mutually exclusive assertion that had come <coughs> into Tibet um, because of the degeneration of the teachings um, and, and misconceptions relative to them. So here's, this is another reason why it stated that um, George, uh, Lord Atisha was so kind was because he, he <coughs> was able to get rid of all of these wrong views relative to the, the higher teachings or the more secret tantric teachings. So what had happened is, uh, because in India there is the Jain tradition and the Hindu tradition uh, that, uh, that has Tantra within it, those teachings somehow infiltrated the teachings of Buddhism and, and corrupted them uh, and, uh, uh, because they're different in those tra traditions. Uh, oh, and, and the Bon tradition, Rinpoche mentioned also. So all of the, the Bon, the, the Hindu, the Jain, various traditions uh, um, infiltrated the teachings of Buddhism and uh, caused them to become incorrect. Tad <laughs> And so it states that there are three ideal qualifications for an author of texts uh, that uh, elucidate the way of uh, uh, the sage, and this means Shakyamuni. So it, uh, 
Rinpoche said that if one has mastered two or, or so, then this is considered a great uh, master. Um, but in this case, Lord Atisha has actually all three of the qualifications. And first is that he has mastery of the five topics of knowledge. Um, and then is that should possess instructions that are the key points for practicing the meanings uh, of the topics. Um, and, uh, the meaning of the topics of knowledge which have been transmitted uh, in an unbroken lineage through excellent beings through the perfect Buddha. Uh, so, and then it gets into how the chosen deities looked after him uh, and helped to transmit these teachings. And then, uh, should receive permission to compose the text in a vision of uh, his or her chosen deity. So, not only the mastery and not only uh, um, um, uh, the, possess the instructions of not only the, the lineage gurus, but also the, the deities, um, and then permission from the deities. So all of these three qualifications that we find, uh, Lord Atisha possessed. So the lineage of gurus uh, and uh, deities who taught, uh, and then also the permission, uh, and then the knowledge of those five topics. So Lord Atisha possessed all of these qualities. Uh, so in the uh, perfection, uh, Vehicle, perfection portion, perfection vehicle teachings, we find a, a lot of these explanations uh, as well. Many different uh, qualities you'll find as well. Sonso <laughs> Tobinam what so then uh, those three qualities uh, uh, Lord, uh, Lord Atisha possessed um, and then it says uh, uh, he possessed or mastery of the five uh, topics of knowledge of the Buddhist, non-Buddhist, grammar and logic, the arts uh, grammar and logic 
the arts and medicine. So those are the five. Uh, and then that he uh, possessed the instructions of the key points of the topics of knowledge in an unbroken lineage from the perfect Buddha through lineage gurus and the deities, and that he received permission and visions and so forth. And then when speaking of the permission uh, and how he was looked after by chosen deities, uh, the permission and then the unbroken lineage, we find a quote from Natsu's 80 verses of praise <coughs> where it says that due to having visions and receiving permission from the glorious Hevadra, uh, Trisamaya Vyuharaja, <laughs> the hero Avalokiteshvara or Chen Rezig, the noble and venerable Tara, and so forth. He listened always to the excellent teachings of the profound view and the vast deeds of compassion, either in dreams or in person. So it states here that those deities um, of Hivadra and Chenrezig and Tara uh, actually gave instructions to him uh, in dreams or in visions um, and uh, in the same way that a teacher would. So he had this relationship with these deities that in the same way one would have a relationship with his or her Lama. Uh, so he received the permissions to give these teachings um, and received the instructions from them directly as well as his lineage gurus. So in uh, here it, it states that. Then in Nepal also in the Juba. That's the Juba of Machetukalis, you are in the Juba Nebrezova. Lama Juba la, Tiba Tomoa, Tiba Tomoa. Tiba Tomoa, pretty Tomoa to move Tiba Tomoa, Tiba Chemi Juba Nilis, Telapashi Tiba Tan, Sanga Tiba Nilis, Pashi Tiba Sanga Tiba Nilis, Tombola Tayu Juba Tans, Tapashi Tiba Tayu Juba. Shibi the last, you know, the Baji Debatan, and then Tibachibi Juba, Tibachibi Juba, the Sarawa. Let's say. The Baji Juba, Shaman then it says, with regard to the lineages of gurus, uh, there are two lineages that are uh, of the vehicle, that of the vehicle common uh, and that of the Mahayana. So here, the common here refers to Hinayana and Mahayana, and if we wanted to look at it 
in a further way the teachings for small capacity, medium capacity, and great capacity. Um, so the two lineages of Hini and Mahayana, but then you know, bringing those condensed, uh, those are condensed because then we have the, the teachings of the three capacities as well. It says within, within the latter there are again two. So in the great vehicle there are two lineages, the perfection vehicle and the mantric vehicle or tantric vehicle. And it says within the perfection vehicle there are two. Uh, the extensive deeds lineage and the profound view lineage. The extensive deeds lineage, uh, Lord Matreya is uh, responsible for and pass that down to Asanga. The profound view lineage, uh, we find Lord uh, Manjushri passed it to Nagarjuna, then to the great master uh, um, uh, Shantideva. Uh, so that's the uh, um, uh, profound view lineage. So the extensive deeds lineage, we find the instructions of the seven-point cause and effect instruction for achieving the mind that aspires to enlightenment. And then in the profound view lineage, we find the teachings on equalizing and exchanging self with others. And both of those fall under the heading of the perfection vehicle. So Mahayana has those two categories, the tantric ve mantric vehicle and the perfection vehicle. The perfection vehicle has two categories, the profound view, uh, the extensive deeds lineage, uh, which Lord Maitreya is responsible for, and the profound view lineage, which Lord Manjushri is responsible for. Uh, so it says the, uh, with the divisions, uh, and within the lineage of the deeds, so, or the, uh, 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 the deeds, there are lineages descended from Maitreya and Manjushri, making three lineages in the perfection vehicle. Uh, further, with respect to the mantric vehicle, there are five systems of lineages. In addition, there are such lineages as the lineage of tenants, the lineages of blessings, the lineages of various instructions. Uh, and then it says, and teacher was endowed with instructions from these many lineages. The gurus from whom a teacher received di teachings directly are as Natso says. And then there's going to be another quote from Natso's 80 verses uh, of praise. <laughs> Uh, the Please feel free to ask, and again, we just need to be mindful. Of, it's probably only going to be a few minutes, so. Yes? Okay. Where are we in our time with these teachings? Meaning? What year? What year? Yeah, what years are we spending? The low got to do, the Atisha low got to do, the Pula. The Tanda got to Nidong. Not Tanda, Nidong. Nitong go, lo nitong go, tanda. Then a teacher gadu. Well, baby, you said there. Do you know that what there? Do you see the water in the tent about the Tibetan? He has the calendar. He has the Tibetan calendar is different than he's saying than the than our calendar. Uh, but I can probably, this is pretty common information, I can probably find uh, in, in here an, ex roughly, yeah. an exact date. I don't want to do roughly. Um, Atisha is 9082 to 1054. Yeah, no. okay. 
So we find many different stories that given by these various Tibetans. And when before he came to Tibet, when he was in India, he actually spoke directly with Tara, who told him that if he left India, his life would be shortened, but it would benefit the teachings greatly, and, and the, one of the most important works uh, would be accomplished if he left. Uh, and those very things transpired when he left uh, India and came into Tibet. So uh, Rinpoche just keeps saying that he had this relationship with the deities, and that the teachings that he received from them were the authentic teachings that uh, we can we can check against the texts, <coughs> check against the actual uh, um, uh, sutras and so forth to see if they are accurate. So uh, they then nyone kandre dayanda the the sanjay damagyawa. See, we can't give a correct sign. We can't say for sure because if we don't have uh, direct, valid perception, uh, clairvoyance, we we can't say what another has experienced for certain. It's because we don't need a, a reason to say I can see you or you can see me because it's direct, valid cognition. And Atisha had these experiences through direct, valid cognition. So we can only say from our direct, valid cognition that I can see you, you can see me. And this is how Atisha asserted that he, and the texts say that he uh, related with these deities. Mm. Mm. 
So he uh, was able to even have conversations with a statue in the same way. Statues, uh, because he was at the path, tantric path of preparation, uh, he was able to uh, get rid of these ordinary appearances and actually receive teachings from empowered statues. But we, at this point, ourselves, because of obstacles, can't do this. But if we had this uh, realization and were freed from this and had this realization in our continuum, we also could have this kind of relationship with an empowered statue. It's strange though, I remember there was one woman uh, in Tibet uh, where I was from that could be asked any question and would sit and think for a moment about it and be able to give the correct answer every single time. So there are these special beings. He was able to, every single time the answer was given, it went the way she said, or it was exactly correct. So there are uh, these uh, higher beings, these beings with higher perception, or something like that. Very strange, no? <laughs> and then there's the Nejong uh, God, the oracle that uh, comes into uh, beings. But it, it's a monk that this being's coming into. Uh, it's not. Uh, not, it's in the language of another deity that this oracle speaks. It's not in this normal language that the monk would speak in. Uh, uh, oh, and then other times there's suddenly uh, uh, you're Okay, so then sometimes those four deities, the Tsen, Je, Tsen, listen, Rinpoche is going to say the four deities' names uh, just because I'm going to mispronounce them. And then they all come together into very into other you know the the way into the body of another, and then the gods have conversations amongst themselves that are in a different language. And then they, uh, um, the the Dalai Lama is present when these things are, are taking place. And then uh, uh, and the Geshe's were all there. I guess this was one specific instance. The Dalai Lama was there, and then all of the Geshe's were sitting there. And then the, the, they had seats for the deities, the gods, <laughs> the oracles. I, I, you know, it would come. But then there was this speech that none of us could understand that was taking place. I've seen this too. Oh, this right, 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 right. It's very strong and hard, all these different things. 
It's the, not something that's coming from the, the human, it's something that's coming from the deity, and it's a, a, a language we don't understand. So if they spoke in English, the human language, then we'd understand. Okay, so then there was also, I guess, a Paulden Lamo statue, and Hatsamba came in uh, to a person and then went right to the Paulden Lamo statue and began to talk and speak to it, the statue. Uh, these are experiences Rinpoche's seen, he's saying. He began to speak to the Paulden Lamo, who's the uh, embodiment of Tara, the wrathful embodiment of 21 Taras, if anyone doesn't know who Paulden Lamo is. Uh, and that, this de depicted here, and then the, the god came and started talking to, at Paulden Lamo. Uh, similar to this. And similar to this, and these experiences have happened. Drama There are many different experiences like this. But if somebody crazy sees something, then this isn't of significance whatsoever. So if somebody, and they use the word crazy. So if somebody crazy has a vision, and translators note, it's really important to also, the Buddha said, cut it and rub it. If the teachings that a teacher are received, our pure Madhyamika Prasangika teachings, then we can see that as a correct sign, he had to have received the instruction from someone, somewhere, and if it's pure and unbroken, then it's inarguable that the teachings are correct wherever they came from. So that's also the, and the fact that the teachings were purified um, shows that there was new information that wasn't previously there. Thank you very much. Uh, so why don't we conclude the teachings uh, with the concluding prayers. Thank you all for coming. It's wonderful to see so many people here. And I just have a couple of announcements probably uh, afterwards. Concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri, and likewise Mantabhadra as well, with whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realm of Tibet, surrounded by a chain of snow mountains, the source of all happiness and health for beings is Denkin Gyatso, Chen Resigan person. May his life be secure for hundreds of Kalpas. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, the spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance.